Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Steelers rookie running back Najee Harris. Look, I understand if you didn't like the Steelers drafting Najee. They objectively had far more pressing needs than to take a running back that they probably could have gotten 80, 90% of in a later round. Like, I get it. I wish there was an NFL salary cap. I've talked about this before. I wish that, you know, Christian McCaffrey could make as much money as anyone wants to give to him. But in the salary cap format, it does make sense that running back, which is more, you know, their production is more contingent on the offensive line and quarterback than anyone. Like they just, they need their teammates to be better in order for them to do anything more than any other position on the field. uh, I realize, And when that's in mind, like, yeah, you probably should put a lower percentage of your salary cap to running back compared to other positions on the field. It's not that they don't matter, but relative to the salary cap. And when we need to place certain importance on, we place more importance on some positions versus others. I get why teams generally shouldn't put a lot of resources to running backs with that said, it's a fantasy football podcast. We love when teams put first round resources to running backs in fantasy land because that guarantees, doesn't guarantee, but it's a very good sign that just like money talks, draft capital talks, it's a great sign that this running back is going to have a good chance to thrive sooner rather than later in the NFL. And that's what we have for the Steelers taking Najee Harris with the number 25 overall pick. So first, we just got to realize everyone, Najee, the one kind of critique with him is his straight line speed. He's not, you know, a burner. He's not going to fly by people probably a little bit uh, overstated. I mean, he didn't run at his pro day. And when you don't run at your pro day, that means you weren't going to be happy with the time that you would have run at your pro day. With that said, I mean, just, I don't think he's someone that would have gone out there and run a four, eight or anything like that. Four, five, four, six range. Again, not exactly jets, but it's not like Harris is the slowest running back to ever make the NFL. This was our 2021 NFL Draft Guide breakdown on Harris, courtesy of the always great Mike Renner. The common rule of thumb for running backs is usually to declare as soon as possible, but there's a real chance Harris made himself some money with his play this year. He doubled his touchdown total from 13 on the ground in 2019 to 26 this season and maintained his efficiency despite a massive workload. Harris's ball skills keep him inside our top three backs despite not being much of a home run threat. His catch radius is one of the biggest you'll ever see from a running back. He should feature in any pass game. And that pass game stuff is what's really notable because you know we've seen Leonard Fournette even Ronald Jones at times like you don't need to be a good receiving running back to rack up receiving fantasy points you just need to find an offensive coaching staff and a quarterback willing to throw you the ball Harris looks like someone that's almost going to demand that because he's that good of a receiver I mean you go back to that 2019 game against LSU where you know Tua started to try to get them back and to come back uh, just try to get back in the game and Najee like jumps up over LSU's, you know, future first round linebacker on like a lovely back shoulder fade comes down with the ball in the end zone. And you just have those examples all over the place. The guy is a walking, talking three down bell cow back there. He was always viewed in my mind, at least as the most three down ready back in the league. And going through the draft, we said we had three teams that we really needed to focus on when it came to running backs. The Jets, the Falcons, and the Steelers just waited to round four. The Falcons didn't do anything. The Steelers got their guy in round one. So Harris, PFS, number five ranked running back in 2018 in college, number 11 in 2019, number 12 in 2020. Unlike ETN, we didn't really see him fall off as his career went on. I'm not here to hate on ETN. I know the Clemson O-line was worse in 2020. But Harris, to me, coming out, even though he's 23, a little bit older than uh, we would expect from some of the top uh, players out there. He's a proven runner, proven receiver, only three drops and on 83 uh, career catchable targets. Like 
Najee Harris people, again, one of the more pro-ready three-down backs I think we've seen in recent years. And I think with Pittsburgh, we're just overreacting a little bit to our perceived notion of what this offensive line and what the team is going to look like ahead of next year. I get it. This offensive line sucked last year. They ranked 31st in our PFF run blocking grade. I'm just not all that convinced it matters because if the Steelers just get back to giving Harris, the role that we used to see the Steelers running backs have year in and year out, it's going to be, you know, great for fantasy business. From 2014 to 2018, we had Le'Veon Bell getting 25.6 touches per start. D'Angelo Williams was at 22.8. James Conner was at 20.8. Jalen Samuels was at 18. Hell, even Stefan Ridley in some Week 17 games managed to get 17 touches per start. And Ben Rosberger threw his RBs at least 100 targets during the latter three years of that stretch. I mean, the Steelers RB one role from 2014 and 2018 was arguably the single most fantasy friendly role in the entire league at that time. So, Hey, if you think big Ben's washed, you think he has a noodle arm. I don't necessarily agree with either of those notions. That should be good for Harris. That's going to mean more dump downs, more rush attempts. Again, in fantasy land, we want to chase volume, not so much talent, not so much our perceived idea of an offensive line. Because people last year, PFS, again, the same same grades that painted the Steelers as the second worst run blocking unit in the league. And they were awful. Like, it just doesn't always matter in fantasy. And maybe that's an indictment on fantasy football. Like, it's scoring criteria, whatever it is. Last year, the top five PFF offensive lines and run blocking grade produced four top 24 PPR RBs. The bottom five PFF offensive lines run blocking grade also produced four top 24 PPR RBs. So, hey, the latter group, we had guys like Austin Eckler, Miles Gaskin, largely overcoming, you know, sometimes the troubles in the run game with a lot of targets. But remember, we just talked about Harris's arguably best feature in the NFL being the fact that he's going to demand a pretty much featured role in any passing game from day one, particularly one like the Steelers, where we have a demonstrated history of them feeding their RBs targets. And I just don't really buy the idea that they're going to go to this committee because that's what we've seen over the past two years. Even that was a little bit overstated James Conner last year, despite being, you know, on the COVID list and, you know, never just really looking hundred percent after week one, he still played at least 60% of the offensive snaps and, or racked up 15 combined carries and targets in 10 of his 14 games last season. So that kind of seems like the floor for what we should expect from Harris. The ceiling is a guy that pretty much never leaves the field for an offense that was Bad, bad to awful at the end of last season. But, you know, I don't think it's exactly fair to only look at the last five games of the Pittsburgh season and assume that's what we're going to get all the way throughout 2021. This is still a 12th ranked offense as a whole. James Conner was not good last year. He still averaged, what was it, 4.3 yards per carry? That's not a great stat to tell you how great a running back is. I'm just trying to say like, as bad as this run game was last year, it wasn't like James Conner just averaged, you know, two yards per carry. Like they were able to run the ball a little bit, not as much as they like to probably why they use a first round pick on Najee freaking Harris. So the offensive line, they do have some continuity. They didn't add as much uh, as we would have liked. I mean, Kendrick green third round center, maybe he takes the job. It'll be good to have Zach Banner back at right tackle after he basically underwent a season ending knee. Uh, he had a season-ending knee surgery injury, excuse me, after just one game in 2020. The guards are okay. You know, we'll see what happens at left tackle. I'd like to see them still maybe trying to make a move there. It's 
I understand why people expect the offensive line to not be good again in 2021. Just realize we had many of these same concerns with the Rams last year. They were able, able to overcome expectations. Thanks in large part, I think, to their continuity, not trying to completely revamp the entire unit. And, hey, you know, we got to replace Marquise Pouncey and some other guys. I'm just saying, getting younger, even if we don't know these guys as well, might not be the worst overall unit. And I just really don't care because Najee Harris is projected to get just – insane insane enough volume that we shouldn't be worried too much about what's going on on the offensive line so pff we have just you know projections that are not necessarily the things you should live by in fantasy ranks again i, I mentioned this in another podcast but i think too often we get caught up in median projections and in a first or last game like fantasy like having you know correctly predicting the qb 18 over the qb 19 like, how is that more valuable? And it is in like a fantasy pros ranking competition, but how is that more valuable than predicting the guy that's going to have more QB one week? So the guy that you actually want to have on your field in QB 13, you know, it's like why I have Trey Lance ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Who's going to score more fantasy points this year? Probably Trevor Lawrence. He's starting in week one. Who you want on your team come the fantasy playoffs? Trey Lance. So with that in mind, people, I think Najee Harris deserves to be immediately in that borderline RB1 conversation just because of that volume. Right now, our fantasy projections have only six running backs projecting to clear 300 touches. You can probably guess them. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Mr. Joe Mixon. The guys that just missed, Jonathan Taylor, projected for 289 touches, and Najee Harris right there at 288. Ahead of Nick Chubb, ahead of Aaron Jones, ahead of Cam Akers. From a pure volume standpoint, we can even talk about Harris being a top eight back. I'm not going that far right now. I'm going to call him my RB13. I just bumped him ahead of Antonio Gibson. Just enough concern about the toe and J.D. McKissick staying involved. I think Harris just has an easier path to getting these 300 touches. I put him ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, ahead of DeAndre Swift, ahead of Chris Carson. You know, I would still take Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers ahead of Harris because we have NFL, you know, film, reason to believe, uh, you know, just evidence. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, we have more evidence of those guys, you know, doing it in Harris at the NFL level. But people, that's a tough game to play when your only excuse for not drafting Harris is like we haven't seen him do it before because we look at the history of first-round rookie RBs since 2011. And again, our PFF um, – touch projection for Harris was uh, 288. So with that in mind, let's even say 250. Like all I'm, I'm basically canceling out the CEHs, the Melvin Gordon, Sony Michelle's, uh, McCaffrey's, Mark Ingram, Rashad Penny, even David Wilson. Those are the guys that couldn't get even 220 touches as a rookie, almost always due to the presence of another quality running back in the backfield. So the basically, let's see, eight rookie, one, two, three, excuse me, seven rookie RBs, Drafted in the first round that we've seen get at least 250 touches since 2011. Todd Gurley had 250, which made him the RB9. Josh Jacobs had 262, made him the RB21. Leonard Fournette had 304 touches, RB10. Trent freaking Richardson on the 5-11 and 11 Browns ripped off an RB8 uh, performance thanks to 318 touches. Saquon Barkley, overall RB1 on 352 touches. Zeke, 354 touches, RB2. Doug Martin, 368 touches, RB2. So basically, out of this group, again, 250-touch projection floor for um, Harris. Seems reasonable, if not low. Out of that group, we have 
six top 10 PPR running backs. And the only exception, Josh Jacobs just couldn't get the targets. And it comes back to what we were saying at the beginning. The targets should be the spot where we at least have to worry about Harris because of the ability he was able to show at Alabama. So, I mean, after the draft, I was actually a lot higher on Harris than most. I was saying that he'd be a, an RB1 in fantasy land sooner rather than later. I don't quite have him there yet, but as my PPR RB13, I am now in line with the public uh, who also have him as the RB13 over at underdog in terms of his ADP. So maybe I'll jump him up a little more. You know, Jonathan Taylor, like, oh, man, not going to be a good look for me if he doesn't ball out this year, guys. But just in terms of the overall ceiling, I don't know how we can say he has a better touch projection than Harris. That's not all that matters. We need to look at efficiency, and that's where Taylor's offensive line is going to come in. But, again, it just comes down to Taylor is going to lose snaps to Naeem Hines. He's going to lose targets no matter what. Harris might not lose snaps or touches to anybody. So keep that in mind. Remember, what we're trying to do is project project and predict volume over the talent, and we live at the results. So that's going to do it for this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'm Ian Hardis. We will continue rolling these out every single day throughout the summer. Hope you're enjoying. Hope you're making the most of this just gorgeous weather all throughout the country, particularly here in the Midwest at the moment. And until next time, take care, everybody. 